This is the Beers of Business with your hosts Al Beard and Beard One. What is up, YouTubes? You are with the Beards of Business here to discuss actual business and actual business needs. Oh yeah, and uh, not everyone is going to be familiar with wait, my reverse, right? So you're, to my left is Dana Bloom. To your left, yes. <laughs> Uh, Dana, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, absolutely, Josh. Thank you. My name is Dana Bluen. I am a entrepreneur, a businessman based in Bangkok, Thailand. I've been friends with Suburban Beard, aka L Beard, here for what, Josh? Going on ten years now? At least, I think, right? Yeah, we work together in uh, out in Cleveland, and so Josh and I have worked on a few projects together over the years. The Dapper, Dapper Villains brand, uh, among them. And now with Josh being full-time reselling, I was actually pushing Josh to do YouTube five years ago, Josh. At least, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't yeah, when, I was, when I was a lot more active making business content, you know, I actually, I mentor and uh, coach a lot of entrepreneurs globally, not just in Asia, but in the U.S. And so I would always get the same questions. And because of that, I started making some YouTube videos just to answer some of those most common questions. And then for the past year or so, I've been sort of tied up with other projects. I haven't made any videos. Recently got back to it. Josh is now on YouTube and we have a new business venture coming up where we're going to be working together, uh, essentially doing some import export type stuff through Thailand back to the U.S. with uh, reverse sourcing is what Josh is referring to it as. So we're going to really get into some of those details of what that business is going to look like coming up. Over the next uh, couple months, Josh, before you come out here for the for the big trip, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. So I, the I'm gonna put it because even Dana was asking, you know, what what do you mean reverse sourcing? Yeah, and so that's so, like reseller reseller talk, right? That and that's how I pictured in my head, right? Because if you're sourcing something, you, you your normal process is gonna be like, okay, I, I need something that sells good and sells fast, and you know, dollar amount you can work on, right? While you're you're sourcing, yeah. that's the whole point of it. So but you're then go research. Okay. These products in this category are awesome. If I can find them cheaper and then <clears throat> go over here and like, okay, now I need to find that item somewhere, right? I need to take yep. this item, find it and see who can get me the lowest cost. And the flip side of that is I'm now going to Thailand, you know, I mean, well, Dana's already there, so that helps, yeah. you know, it's a big difference. Right. So, but yeah, I'm, okay. I'm there, I speak Thai. Um, you know, my, my girlfriend's Thai, she speaks Thai better than me, obviously. So right. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity here. And because I'm already in the business world, I have access to wholesalers um, and actual sources of things. So manufacturers of product here that we can sort of dive into and take a look at. The hard part is figuring out what can sell. Yes. And that's that's the other part. So that's where that reverse sourcing, though, is Dana's like, OK. I can get these for a dollar, you know, yeah. what do they sell for? And so it's then flipping it back the other way and going like, okay, let's see if they actually sell now. Right. Like, <laughs> let's see if they do anything for us or, or if it's a product that moves. And at the same time, just about everything you've touched at this point is <laughs> something that actually sells regularly. Yeah. So that's the, the good thing is that we're able to actually like lock in some, some ideas right now. And the, the key is that, with the lead time. So we're looking at about a month and a half lead time before you're out here, Josh. So with that lead time, I can really start to lay the groundwork for better deals. So we, when you're out here, we can go meet with suppliers, talk to them, you know, and we'll, I think we're going live again this week on my channel where we'll talk about more of the business side, the metrics, some of the business plan aspects of this project that we're planning and but what I really want to talk about here is the the sourcing side, and I think that's what your audience is is probably most interested in as well, because uh, the resale world, right, or the reverse sourcing, and right? So, <laughs> My magical word. Yeah, and so when we first started this conversation, this goes back a few months, Josh. Yeah, I mean, well, honestly, I think it went back over a year, like at least January, February, when we actually had a discussion about it. That's true. Yeah, I remember when. Uh, when you first started doing this full time, we talked about, I was like, well, figure it out. But in the meantime, let me know what you might be interested in. I, so I think we were laying the groundwork because I've always had, I have access to these wholesalers and factories and 
you know, the the strangest of things to the most common of things. You know, exactly. and uh, I know one of the things that uh, we we joked about was the soap. Remember the uh, they they're big on soap shaped like uh, fruit here. And Josh is like, yo, it's gonna get stuck at customs at some point because someone's gonna think you're shipping a bunch of mangoes that have already been like cut in half, and they're like, what are you doing, you idiot? Right. <laughs> like that's yeah. the biggest thing. Um, you know, like. So, because I've seen people get stuck um, with their products in there. And it was literally, it was soap from France. And it yeah. was made with real cacao, right? Or however you say it. And, cacao, yeah. you know, and it got stuck. They thought it was real cocoa just being shipped as soap. But it was really just a men's soap. Yeah. And I, th I think that's one of the more interesting things, at least to me. When you think about like uh, what you can do with this type of stuff and and like when you look at it, all right, so now we have to kind of dive in and say, oh, this might get stopped at customs and held up in a hot shipping container on a dock for six months and all our soap is going to melt. Right. And then, yeah, it's an even worse situation than when we started with. Yeah. And then so we've, we've just lost thousands of dollars on melted soap and we have to figure out what to do with it. Josh is going to be smelling like mangoes for like years and years. <laughs> I'm bathing. I have three tons of soap, Dana. Screw you in Thailand. Josh. One of the other things is we, we have the opportunity to make custom products out here. And so to look at things, Josh knows uh, I ran previously a uh, beard bomb, beard oil <laughs> brand that I started and successfully was running in uh, Thailand and Malaysia. And I was probably one of the bigger beard bomb providers in Malaysia at one point, probably in Thailand, because no one buys it in Thailand. But Malaysia is a big beard market being a majority Muslim country. So a lot of guys were really getting down on the on the Bangkok beard beard bomb. Yeah. So there, there's opportunities for manufacturing of unique products that we can develop as well. And I think that that could be something we explore maybe later. I don't know if this first trip is is right for that. Yeah, it's it's that's one of those things. Like again, though, if you stumble into something, you know what I mean. Like I, literally, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I'm I want four cell phones, right? So I'm walking down the street, everything on every card, I can just start searching <laughs> and seeing what's there. But it's you know, it's like oh, it'd be cool to have something like this. And I'm like, well, wait a second, is a product like that that I wouldn't mind having? Is that something that's viable to have either turned into a mass-produced item, right? Or something specifically customized that we can have sent over in different styles, colors, etc. Yeah. And luckily I have ties into manufacturing, not just in Thailand, but uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Malaysia. So there, there's a wide market that specializes in different things that we can actually look at. Yeah. Cause I think the, roosters oh, go ahead. In the background, the what do you hear the roosters in my background? No. So I live like in the middle of Bangkok and my neighbors still have roosters and chickens. Dude, that's amazing. I, well, it's not that far off. I, you know, I'm technically in a township and there's people who are grandfathered in who have chickens and roosters. And it's one of the funniest things you go driving by and you're going around a corner and then all of a sudden you see like this rooster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think one of the, uh, one of the strange things about it is in, uh, you know, in Bangkok, that's a little bit, a little bit more common that you see chickens. Right. But I've been in Yangon, which is the capital of Myanmar, former uh, Burma. And my driver driving me through the city and there are cows in the road. That'd be, that's weird. Not weird. Right. But it, I did, actually, one time the driver hit a cow. Oh, it was like a big deal. <laughs> I mean, not like India, big deal, but right. big deal. It's still a thing, you know? Yeah. So before we get too much into this, uh, Josh, should we run through the chat and just say hi to uh, any of the homies who've joined us. Let's go in. Like, so money from Mars says he was last. My first comment. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oscar L. Cubanasso, Bad Boy Reselling, Conkey's Flippin' Adventures. I know he's stuck doing something, but he still came in and said, hey. Um, hey so he catches us on the replay. Papa Smurf is here. How are you? Um, see. Oscar. Money from Mars. Joe Layton. Hello. Jessica Navarro. Big, big boss man. My big beard is here. WWE big boss man. The what? The WWE big boss man. I can't tell from the photo. I have to check. <laughs> Jordan, my flipping life. I apologize. Say this wrong. Is it Lay uh, Morum? Sorry if I said that wrong. Or Leah. Krista Coupons. I think she just stepped out recently. And then uh, Granny Doe. K 
Kent, always a pleasure. What's up, Kent? And let's jump back through. Oh, we got Justin and Marie. I, can, I don't think I ever say their name. Late. I think it's Paralette or Paralay. I don't know. Okay. Brian Oaks, welcome. I think that is it. <clears throat> oh, no, it was Link Surplus. Someone liked that account. Oh, and surplus. Okay. Big boss man, one of the one of the great heels of the WWE back in the the heyday. I am a massive, massive WWE fan, kind of on again and off again WWE fan. I I haven't watched since like ninety nine, honestly, two thousand maybe. I, I'm on and off, on and off. So, uh, Justin, it's Perlet, P U R R L dash L E T, so pronounced Perlet. Perfect. I'm going to assume, yeah. Perlet. So, so my, my last name is Bluin, and a, a lot of times I have to tell people it's spelled B-L-E-W-I-N, Bluin. But I have a lot of a lot of friends from, like, France and Belgium, and they'll say my name with, like, a, a traditional, like, French accent. They're like, oh, it's no, it's Bluin, Bluin. <laughs> so, Josh, let's get back to the, the reverse sourcing. So we talked about a few of the things that that we were looking at um do you want to touch on some of the items that like i kind of threw out there originally yeah so the first ones well he said to me elephant pants and i'm like what yeah, and like, course, like, dude i'm not tipping elephant <laughs> i'm like yeah yeah i don't think that's legal dana <laughs> what is it oh it's just four elephants i found in thailand just shipping them <laughs> over <laughs> but uh and you know but it's and then I looked it up, but then that was the first problem I had actually looking up the item, right? So yeah. he, you know him specifically as one thing, and it makes sense to you when you see it. And I look for it. All I see are pants with elephants on them. Yeah. I see nothing related whatsoever to anything having to do with what. <laughs> and so, but then digging in, found that they sell across the board. Yeah. Everywhere from Amazon, eBay, Mercari, Poshmark, they're big, so. I got excited about those, and I think you said you got them down to like what a buck or something. Yeah, just on just over a dollar. Just so yeah, yeah, at volume. And so one of the things that so yeah, he didn't know what they were, but we know them here. It's essentially these type of I guess they're similar to I don't know if they're yoga pants or what. I, I've never worn a pair in my life, but a lot of the like twenty somethings. I'm gonna throw air quotes around digital nomad. Uh, they will come here and those, you see those people wearing these pants all the time and they are super popular with that group. Uh, there's an area of Bangkok Josh and I will go to where Josh is going to eat uh, fried insects when he's here. I'm done with that. House on road. And, uh, you will see everyone there wearing elephant pants. Like that's like, so, but like the difference is though, like they're pants, but they can also be worn as almost a top and pants. Like a jumper in a sense. Yeah, so, sort of, yeah, if, you, if you're short, I guess. Right. Well, that's how they have them in the pictures when you said those were the ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're super baggy. I guess, and they here in Thailand, they call free size, right? It's one size fits all. So you could wear that and essentially do whatever. Okay. You know, it doesn't matter if you're 500 pounds, which I have seen like a 500-pound guy rocking a pair, or if you're like 105 pounds, they fit. Right. <laughs> they, they all look like hammer pants to me. I'm sorry. They do look like hammer pants. Just elephants on them. <laughs> you know, made in Thailand. And, you know, here they sell, you know, I see them here. They'll sell for like $5. And I know we looked them up in the U.S. and they were like, what, 15 Yeah. Yeah. Well, 15 to 25 There's a ton of variances. So it'll be getting in front of them and sitting down, seeing them, comparing photos and you know, seeing what we can do with them. I, I like the idea of going the other route of like getting into that Amazon listing type stuff. Because mm -hmm. then we can do a lot of our straight drop shipping and easy sourcing down the road. That's the, it's the long-term goal of all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like obviously we're going to have fun hanging out. But... For us, we want to be moving uh, containers back. Right. Right. Which you found a cheap outlet for that. Yeah. You know, and like you know, what's half a container is like what? 50? Uh, 15 16 pallets yeah i think so so you know fill fill something like that up and, and get it going luckily bangkok's a, a port city so it's very easy to uh to load stuff up here and get it shipped out see that'll be the best part 
So is Cleveland, I guess, technically, right? We can bring yeah. stuff into Cleveland. They do though. They they bring it in. It, it depends. Though. Like sometimes you gotta. It's all about pricing, right? So if you can get on a ship that's making its way, um, otherwise it'll be cheaper for me to, you know, I can get a semi to me faster, right? Like yeah. freight delivery from the dock to me faster. Yeah. Okay, but LTL. So yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Douglas. So can, can uh, Daigle. Okay, Josh may do that. Josh <laughs> may do that. Only for the views. <laughs> Are you sourcing lady boys? No, it's called human trafficking and it's illegal. <laughs> I think the legality is kind of a gray area. Right. Not when you get to the U.S., it's not. <laughs> I was so I recently uh, did an interview with uh, my friend Jay Such Dave. And uh, we actually, I, I did a second interview with him and uh, one of the top clothiers in, in Bangkok. We came into the studio together and he was talking about a visit he recently had to a, a woman's prison. And uh, I don't know which, which of the two interviews it was on. It's hard to remember. They were both like an hour and a half. But he talked about like one of the, like the, the women who are at like a higher level of privileges in the prison got to like sort of interact with um, the people who were there on the trip. He was traveling with uh, one of the more famous musicians in Thailand doing a, uh, one of their social outreach programs. And uh, this woman he found out was in prison for human trafficking. <laughs> That's crazy. He's like, wow, uh, you're so nice and kind. What are you in jail for drugs? And she's like, no, no human trafficking. I he used to steal little girls from uh, Hill tribe villages and bring them bring them back into uh, the city and sell them. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I was kind of hardcore. She's like, uh, oh, how'd you get caught? Have you ever seen Taken? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. So like I said, it's kind of a gray area, Josh. Right? <laughs> talk about it. Now, one of the other things we have a hard time with, and this is something that I, I know we've kind of touched on here, is the the description of the product. So, what I know something as locally may not be what Josh finds it for on the platforms, right. and so or finds it as on the platforms. And so, as part of that, like I have to be really descriptive with Josh, and we have to talk about what it might be, or I might know something by its tie name, and then have the description of it. And Josh has to start doing a lot of the legwork to find, okay, what is this? And how would I position this in the market? Yeah. And cause the easiest, like easiest way for, process like for you, Josh, like easiest way for me when doing that really comes down to like, I, that's where I truly think like being there will make such a difference because you can say, okay, I have this product. This is the name of it. I'm like, cool. Whereas in person it could be like, okay, uh, I'm looking for a, orange liquid that smells like an orangutan right like <laughs> mm -hmm. i can look up like the actual smell or the size or the whatever the item is and look for something similar like i don't know why i'm such a good i'm an amazing googleizer right so i can mm -hmm. take anything and find it on google when i have no name no labels no model numbers nothing it mm -hmm. takes a minute sometimes but i can always find it and so that's where you know like well, I mean, the other one you were talking about, I think it was what Tiger Bomb, like that I found right off the bat, you know, yeah. the Tiger Bomb, I think is the, I, I knew about Tiger Bomb before I came to Asia the first time in 2006. Yeah, I've used it before, I've you know, so. And so I, I've known about that for years. But then when we started looking at the prices that we have very huge variants. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, it, all of it's a big, you know, <laughs> yeah, luckily, I was able to reach out to uh, one of the managers at at the tiger barn company and we, we got some pricing worked out. So, you know, Dana is eBay and Amazon saying them over there. No, 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 it is not. Yeah. That ask him how he got his banjo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a banjo that uh, Josh had to ship over for me because I couldn't buy one here. Uh, so no, um, let me, let me touch on that real quick, I guess. So eBay, Amazon is, is not the same over here. Um, and the, the big reason for that is we don't have those platforms available in Asia. Well, eBay, I guess you could, you'd have to ship on, but there, there's no Amazon in Thailand. Now I can use Amazon US and 90% of the items pop up saying they don't ship to Thailand. 
So, and it would be prohibitively expensive if they did because they don't have a logistics network built out here. About two years ago, Amazon started doing business in Singapore, which if um, you don't know the geography is uh, south of Thailand. It's a small city state uh, just off the coast of Malaysia. So they started to open up operations there. And I believe you can now order from uh, Amazon Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. But that still hasn't translated to being able to use Amazon anywhere else in Southeast Asia. Wow. At the time, I was, I was actually working with a... I was actually working with a Malaysian startup who was working on a AI personal assistant hardware device similar to Alexa. We're attempting to position them as a uh, acquisition possibility for their uh, language proficiency processing with uh, Bahasa Malay, which is the local Malaysian language. Well, they also speak English there and the Malaysian English accent is quite different. So that was one of the big things we were trying to position them for was a potential acquisition either by Amazon or Alibaba, which is Alibaba is, I think a lot of you guys know Alibaba's wholesale drop shipping platform. Yeah. But in uh, Southeast Asia, we have something called AliExpress as well. I don't know if you have it. I Dude, I, I don't shop on Alibaba. I only shop on AliExpress. I thought they were the same company. No, well, they are the same company, but they're two different platforms. Okay. So Alibaba is like wholesale, like really moving. Right. Uh, like 500 products. AliExpress is just like you can buy random stuff. I could buy one that. of them. I just bought that unicycle from uh, AliExpress. <laughs> that unicycle looks ridiculously them. intense. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, you can buy like a single item on AliExpress, and then they ship from China directly to the U.S. Well, yeah, I can order from so AliExpress now. I can order it's. Uh... I might have to look it up. I think it's like Russia, China, or US. US is actually an option now, mm-hmm. which isn't bad, but the the shipping's more expensive than eBay. Hmm. Which is so weird. We question, what private label versus one offs? Yeah. Oh, he's talking he's talking about AliExpress. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean Alibaba, like you can still get their label, but yeah, you can put your own label on it and they'll do it in a heartbeat if you're ordering five thousand of them, you know. <laughs> I mean, or you just go to from here, right? I can fly to China in a few hours. And so I can be, let's say I want to go to China, right? Hong Kong is four hours from here. Uh, you can, and actually right now it's super cheap to fly to Hong Kong for some reason. So <laughs> you can take the train from Hong Kong into uh, Shenzhen, uh, Guangzhou. But I was in a few years ago, I was in Guangzhou, Shenzhen, giving a talk at uh, the Innovation Festival in Guangzhou. And we got to visit some of the local factories. And I mean, you can roll in there. I visited an LED light factory and the guy was like, give me the specs of the lights you want. And I can produce up to 5,000 per week. Once we get the prototype worked out. And this is a small factory that is family owned. So there's a ton of possibilities from a private label perspective, especially if you get out there. Keep in mind quality control and uh, and actually being able to get a product that that works well is, is important. Right? Yeah. So you know, having that quality control, having the oversight, a lot of the hardware entrepreneurs I know who have been very successful with hardware products live in the factory during that initial process. Oh wow! Like they just camp out. And- apartments there like you can just go and stay and you can work with the floor manager you can work with the engineers every day you can do quality control yourself that's awesome i I recently met with the uh the ceo of uh sg wireless which is a hong kong based manufacturer and they have a factory in they have a factory in hong kong so like they do a lot of integration where outside not in hong kong in china their headquarters in hong kong so they do uh, they do a lot of work with integration with different technologies. So, you know, they, they have a very strict uh, QC process. I saw someone commented, um, Kent is saying that QC will slip quick. There it is. Yep. And, you know, w- one of the things is that, that really depends on your relationship with the factory. A lot of times that is the case, man. A lot of times QC is not even slipping. It's just non-existent. So, 
you know, one of the things that you need to really do is keep an eye on that. I have another example from a guy I know who was trying to make a coffee mug, which I thought was a bad idea from the beginning. He was making a <laughs> coffee mug with like a ring that would catch the drips. And so he would like send the design to the factory in China and, you know, coffee mugs are ceramic. So they're, they're kilning it and they're glazing it and none of them would work. I think he spent thousands of dollars and never ended up with a viable product. Wow. You know, that, that's between manufacturing, shipping. They were telling him, you know, they were telling him like, oh, you've got to do, uh, you've got to get this. You've got to do these other things. You know, you've got to order this many. And like, I think his sample, just to get a sample, he had to do uh, one gross, uh, 12 dozen. Wow. 44 individual units just to get a sample. That's crazy. Right. So, I mean, just imagine, just imagine that one gross to, to just to get a sample yeah see like that's where like i i go the other way of i want to i'll find a viable i've found viable products and be like okay mm-hmm. and i'll message them be like can you alter it and do this this and this mm. you know what i mean because it, then it's not even an alter of the product just a, a something to change or a color you know yeah, and that, that's a whole other sample run. Right. Mm. But a lot of them, when they do these one-offs, they'll, they've literally sent me the one-offs. They'll charge me like a dollar more to put names on it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a dollar. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it depends on, you know, what you want, right? So do you, do you need to change the label? A lot of that's negotiated up front. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm just excited. I mean... Listen, we're just gonna have fun, anyways. I'll have fun watching you fall off your unicycle, and oh, you know. You come out, well, assuming so, apparently it just shipped from China, right? For for a long time, it was like sitting in um, export inspections. Oh, okay. And I'm like, what's going? Why is this in export inspections for so long? They're riding it. That's why they're, they're like, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> they look me up online. They saw what I look like. They're like, this, this idiot is gonna be riding this thing in Thailand. Oh. This is- <laughs> Too good, too good. No, I think, uh, yeah, so it finally shipped. It left uh, country of origin two days ago. Let me see if the shipping is updated, actually. Let's check with the AliExpress app. You go to Recite. They send you one to ten samples before they run it in production. It's actually not bad. So, um, Nick, so where is Recite based? Are they a Chinese production company or a Chinese factory? Let's see if he if he answers me. Dun, dun, dun. Let, me let me look at my unicycle water here. If you haven't hit the thumbs up yet, Manny will hack your account and change your name to Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something Manny would do. That's it. That's, yeah, that's Manny's attitude. Oh my God! The unicycle has just updated. It has arrived at destination country. I wonder if I'll beat it there. <laughs> well, it's in, it's in time so it's in bangkok which means it, it's flown into Myung from china and now it's in customs so i i should get it between seven and 14 days okay that's not bad so it's yeah. still only what, a month turnaround max one site made in china app okay i meant to say one site made in china app all right one site not recite. <laughs> Everyone was searching recite real quick. Right. Like, I'm like, what is this? I can get, I can get one to ten samples. You know, a lot of times too, with the depends on what you're doing. If you're doing garments and like say you go to Cambodia, CJ Speno, hello. So a lot of times if you're doing garments, you can go to Cambodia in Phnom Penh and there's a million factories. And some of these countries have a uh, good shipping agreements with the U S so the, for certain items. So I know Cam- Cambodia has lobbied hard for garment exemptions and their garment industry is huge. Vietnam with other things, China, I, I don't think China has any uh, trade uh, benefit right now with the U S based on uh, the political climate. Uh, Thailand has status on certain items. So, you have to look at that as well. So like, what can you ship from certain countries in a, as a whole container that you get easier customs or, or less tax on? That's important. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know which one we can ship people from, but it's one of those. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not people. They're potatoes. That might be Myanmar that we can ship humans from. And right. Less money. All the all the Burmese people in the chat are be like, oh, my God, what, who is this guy? <laughs> How did he know about that? <laughs> I've, been, I've been to Myanmar a few times. It is a crazy, crazy, crazy place. It's uh, not somewhere I, I look forward to going. At least to Yangon. Yangon's a crazy city. I think Different... the first first item we actually talked about trying to source besides your bag, right? Was those the shoes from the haberdashery? Oh yeah, the custom shoes. We started talking. That was with the dapper villains, right? That was the dapper villains platform. But it was the you know you you'd have to get you'd have to it'd be a one. No returns, obviously, but it's yeah, <laughs> you'd have to go. We, we were our concept was there's a guy that we had a price on shoes, it was amazing for custom shoes custom down to made. the stitching color. Mm. Yeah, and uh, but it was literally I, I wanted to set up places where around the US there'd be you know, fine cobblers, right? <laughs> that would give you exact yeah. measure, measurements, you submit them through the form, shoes get made. 30 plus days later after shipping. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a few pairs of shoes made by them. They hold up really well. Um, and they're about, you know, that's the other thing is that we're talking to wholesale prices to these guys and what could we do it for? How much could we do it? And you know, what it comes down to is that, okay, you can get it for this amount. And then on a custom one, one pair, right. Cause you're not shipping a pallet. You got to put them on DHL. Yep. And then you've got to package them to match the pricing for the brand, right? So that was the other thing that we had to source locally was, all right, the shoes each get individually wrapped in a bag. And then you can't ship like a custom shoe in a cardboard Nike box, right? Right. So, all right, how do you, how do, you do it? How do you make the transition between the two? What does that have to look like? We're looking at like wooden boxes that high-end shoes sell in. What is that going to cost us with branding? Uh, just the die for the leather stamp. I think we were talking like uh, almost a thousand dollars. Yeah. For the, uh, the the die set for the different shoes. Uh, yeah. Insoles. So there there's a lot to that, right? And and when we ended up costing it out, I think you were working on the cobbler side on your end. You were yep. sourcing a few cobblers that could help us with the the run, but on the retail side. But then it's like, okay, what's their cut? You know, they can order directly through the Dapper Villains brand. You know, they'll essentially be a reseller. And we start to look at what the margins were. And the the shoe cost was still lower than a custom shoe in the U.S., but for an unknown name brand, we were, like, at that top end of retail shoes. Right. So you're talking, like, six, seven hundred U.S. dollars per pair. Right. And, and, and then it, 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 the packaging, the branding, and the shipping. Yeah, it, it got so out of control. Like, it. Because we thought for a minute after that, like, okay, what if we just have 12 of each size made up? And <laughs> then we just sell them as sizing, right? Like it's, you know, a straight size from there. But then it's, of course, okay, well, you know, 150 bucks a shoe, buying, you know, 2,000 pairs of shoes with branding, with a stamp, with, <laughs> and now yeah. you're, you know, full on, you know, starting a shoe company out of Thailand. Yeah. Which we don't want to do. No, so I think you Ohio, had the idea of uh, let let's ship you know like let's move their company to Cle to Ohio. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheaper to ship them to Ohio to build shoes. In the chat, uh, Brian Oaks, uh, Haiti Hunter has a good uh, cool <laughs> comment. Would be neat to have a three D laser measuring device that would scan your foot and then send it off to the three D printer to have the shoe made for you. I don't think we're far uh, off. I, so actually there there are some interesting there there are some interesting technologies out there. I, I've recently seen a few. I was actually talking to uh if you check on my channel, there's a conversation with uh my friend Jay Suchdave, who's one of the largest fabric merchants in the world. I want to meet him too. I'm out there. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely meet Jay while you're out here. If oh, he's yeah. in time, yep. the dude travels like crazy. I can get my suit made. Yeah, he, he knows a guy. Trust me. <laughs> uh but and one of the things that's interesting, though, is I was talking to him. I, I've actually seen some tech that is augmented reality measuring devices for clothes. Most of it, most of it targeted at, is at what's called a high street. So 
uh, it's for essentially finding a fit of a high-end garment that you might want to try on and see if it's the right fit. And we were talking about what is the future of suit making, actually. And he does a lot of uh, suits with his brand, uh, Huddersfield Textiles, where they, they make some of the most high-end fabric made in England. And people will want to have suits made from that fabric all over the world, and they get cut in the initial tailoring done in Thailand, and they send it back and forth. So we were talking about some of the augmented reality tech that can actually scan the individual pieces, composite it with AI, and then look at a 3D scan of the body and see if it's a right fit. Now, there's also a whole, at that level of suit making, there's an entire process that goes into that, that people enjoy the whole going to the tailor, having a measurement, seeing how it fits, seeing how it moves. So it's finding the right balance. With the shoes, uh, having custom-made shoes, it's also the same thing. So what's it, 90 years ago, they used to be uh, x-ray machines at shoe stores to x-ray your feet? That's crazy. That's sketchy. <laughs> it's the same thing. Well, like, that's where that technology, like, even I think is it's somebody, I think Ikea had it first that I, I know of, but I know Amazon has it, Ikea has it, where you can... Uh, Literally, t- you take your phone, you open yeah. up their app, and it takes a photo of your room. And my flipping life. Oh, El Cubanazo, Oscar, thank you so much for the super chat. El You're amazing. He's one of the uh, bad boys of reselling. Bad boys of reselling, yeah. Yep. Uh, but I'm yeah, so like I'm you could, that. if you found a piece of furniture you liked at IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> In the dark. In the dark. <laughs> but you found a piece of furniture you like. It takes that augmented view of your room, and you can see what the chair looks like in the corner. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I did see that. Yeah. There's actually one of the incubators, one of the uh, startup incubators I work with out here called Impact Tech. Uh, maybe two or three batches ago, they there was a company who they own – it's funny, the, the founders, their families own two furniture companies and the founders end up starting an augmented reality measuring in a placement app so that you could see what their furniture looked like in in your apartment. And they, yeah. were, I think, between the two families, they were the two biggest uh, furniture manufacturers in Thailand. That's crazy. See, that's I like that kind of stuff. I like that technology that actually helps what you want to do. Like, right? Like, yeah. Because how many times have you bought anything, even if you've measured, right? And be like, wow, this looks horrible in this room. Like, <laughs> what was I yeah. thinking? <laughs> right, yeah. And like, you measure it over and over. Actually, whenever I go to Ikea, I, I'll I'll be like, I'll take photos of all the rooms and I'll take photos of the pieces. And I do try to do overlays. Right. I can see you there. You're like, hold on. I'm using the drafting table right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drawing it out. Like, oh, God, God. Here we go. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. <laughs> The Ikea is here. There's an Ikea here that's massive compared to the one in uh, Pittsburgh, which is the closest to Cleveland. No, Michigan or Columbus. Michigan closer? To me, it is. But I'm also 20 minutes west of Cleveland. You're, okay. you're literally like where you lived. You're, it was like 25 minutes from me. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> but there's the one in Columbus now, which I think is even closer. But I don't like driving to Columbus if I don't have to. Yeah, I'm not a huge Columbus fan. Yeah, it's it because driving into Michigan, it's literally you're straight on the highway in the middle of nowhere. It's like the golden IKEA letters. Yeah, I would <laughs> say arches, but a little small. Yeah, they're all a little smaller, but like, I, like, but you don't have, you know, is there three of them within two hours of each other? Like, there's two in Bangkok. I okay, mean, different sides of the city, so that's like six hour drive to get across Bangkok with traffic. Oh wow, <laughs> so three miles, <laughs> fifteen miles, six hours. <laughs> that sounds like Miami, according to yeah, Oscar right. and Alex. They'll fill you in on that. Is the traffic bad in Miami? Yeah, I, I remember Oscar. I think he was like, "All right, guys, I'm at my car. I'll see you in an hour when I get home." And he lives like ten or fifteen minutes away. Wow. He said the traffic's really bad in Miami, especially rush hour. Fill me in if I'm wrong, Oscar. But I think it takes like what did you say, like an hour to go fifteen minutes, especially during rush hour. I can't I remember. In, in Bangkok, if I take a Grab, which is essentially Uber, okay, I can go, you know, I can go maybe like ten kilometers in 
which is what seven miles seven-ish miles in like an hour if it's bad traffic which is why i just take the train everywhere or jump on the back of a scooter taxi yeah alex even said you walk faster here than driving yeah sometimes in bangkok once i when i i went to Myanmar to give a talk this is going back a few years and i think i put a video on my channel called like 12 hours in yangon or something and uh I, I was there literally we got to the airport and it took hours for me to get to the park royal where i was giving the talk wow and like literally like get down touch down in yangon get in the car drive to the talk give my talk back to uh bangkok that's great my passport so it was like a big issue oh wow yeah so i go back to thailand I'm like where'd you go nowhere <laughs> yeah, they, they, my visa was completely blank it was it was a big there's another story behind that i'll tell another time but it was crazy oh, speaking of which i gotta find my passport yeah that would help that would i help found my you. that was the thing i get found my old one that they hole punched with my photo and i'm like uh you have a new one yeah somewhere <laughs> yeah oscar my morning commute is 18 miles equals two hours god damn oscar 18 miles, two hours. Now, say you left an hour earlier. Would it be 15 minutes, Oscar? Yeah, that'd be the confused one. See, Ken's got my style of commute, 25 yep. feet. That's what I'm talking about. That's way too far for me, actually. I, my bed is about 11 feet that way. <laughs> yeah, I wake up and I walk. If I'm just coming to the studio like this morning, it's like maybe 20 feet. Otherwise, I have to go down to the first floor to the uh, studio and uh work down there so i might be like 50 feet total <laughs> it's not bad no. I, actually i need to get another coffee maker because i'm the only one in the house that drinks coffee and for some reason it's up in the kitchen like there's it's pointless <laughs> what kind of coffee maker do you have um i went with a ninja right now i got rid of the like i got rid of the keurig because it just honestly the value wasn't there and i didn't enjoy it as much anymore but uh so uh, what's a ninja how is that like a percolator is a drip what is no it? it's a it's a drip it's um like a regular auto auto drip coffee maker but it does it under the way the system works it does it at a high pressure so i can even get in this you know it's not a true espresso obviously but it, it gives me a stronger uh blend if i want it also has like it's a coffee system right so it has the blend a uh, mixer mm -hmm. so i can do all my own stuff in it and it has you know it does about uh 16 cups um okay. So yeah, it's I'm not too bad. Guy, so I, I fill up my uh, mason jar every morning. I do uh, one liter. I can make 900, uh, 900 milliliters of coffee in my French press. So uh, usually it's enough in the morning for Jib and I, you know, and uh, we'll each have a glass. But yeah, I, I grind my coffee fresh in the morning and French press it. Yeah, see, I have a French press. I just sometimes I'm just not in the mood. Here we go. He goes. Uh... One hour and 45 minutes if you leave an hour earlier. Wow. The traffic is just that crazy that it's it's like that. Because I know sometimes in, in Bangkok, it's ridiculous if this construction on expressway year-round for the past 10. Yeah, there's the same thing in Bangkok. There's been nonstop construction. Josh will get to see a lot of that. Yes. Uh, actually, though, they just expanded the uh, both the subway and our SkyTrain. So there's a lot of areas that were difficult to get to that are now much more accessible. Okay. So I think actually I have a video dropping this week about uh, going to Chinatown, but not Chinatown, going near the Royal Palace to source some uh, military jackets for my haberdashery that uh, I'm kind of like deconstructing and taking uh, inspiration from. And a year ago, that area was so difficult to get to. I would have to take a, a taxi or a bus and there was crazy traffic. Now I can take the subway, uh, which we call the MRT in Bangkok, right into that area and walk. So, you know, get to that area, walk around much easier. That's awesome. See, yeah, I mean, Thailand's really making a concerted effort to expand public transportation in Bangkok, which just makes it a much more livable city. Right. Marie had a question earlier. I, I don't think I do. Dana would probably know. Make sure you don't need a visa. Our daughter needed one on our last adventure and didn't know it. Yeah, no, no visa. If you're American, there's no visa required to visit Thailand for 90 days. Yeah, I'm only going yeah. for 89 days. I'm going to turn into like Cousin Eddie. I'm not leaving. I just stick around. And yeah. just like, all right, man, uh, Dana, when's, when's he leaving? <laughs> yeah. 
Which you only you got you got a you got a place to stay here. So as long as your visa is valid or until they come and get you and kick you out, right? Good. <laughs> um, going to Pound Town. <laughs> My flipping life. So actually, uh, I will be taking Josh to an area known as Soy Cowboy on this trip, for I video purposes only. For video purposes only. Yeah, it's gonna be um, so much content. So much. Yeah, probably what you're coming for two or three weeks, and you know, that content alone will probably last you months. Like, right, we'll be able to drop stuff for months. I still have a fun idea. We're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna go penny shopping while I'm in Thailand. <laughs> I have the whole thing planned out. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the other thing is, you'll have to get used to the fact that uh, it's a very the currency here is very coin heavy. So a lot of things you end up because one bot is uh a coin okay 10 bot are all coins here remember this one time something was like i was buying something and i gave them like uh oh yeah i was buying something it was i gave them uh, an extra 10 bot coin thinking they would give me like a 50 bot bill back and the girl gave me two twenties. i was like what's going on why 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 did you do this to me it's okay i wear fanny packs so you can't buy a thousand crickets for a penny crickets are expensive fried crickets that you eat (laughs) not cheap not cheap you end up spending for like probably like um like 50 grams of crickets is like 20 bot which is like 90 cents that's it i'm not coming that's way overpriced (laughs) (laughs) your crickets are out of control tate (laughs) No, no, they don't have chocolate-covered crickets. They just, they uh, walk fry them here, right? So the big ones are crickets, grasshoppers, uh, silk larvae, and uh, another type of grub. Those are the popular insects to eat here. I'll try all of them, man. You see scorpions, which are more of a, uh, scorpions are kind of a novelty thing. No one really eats the scorpions. They're touristy. uh, So thick. Actually, I, I one time when I was in Cambodia in 2006, I ate a scorpion, thinking like, "Oh, I'm cool. I'm gonna eat a scorpion," and uh, the stinger was still in it. Got stuck in my tongue, and my tongue swelled up. Oh, yeah. Welcome, Balta. Time to flip some crickets. Kent, Kent loves scorpions. Walk it out. <laughs> Walk it out now. <laughs> we have ton of grasshoppers here, but uh, bait for bass fishing. Yeah, you know what? I can see that. And they're a really high protein uh thing. One of the one of the entrepreneurs I work with has a, a food company that processes cobra and noodles. Uh, yeah, they do eat cobra here. Uh, a lot of times you'll find cobra in whiskey. So, one of the uh, entrepreneurs I work with has a company that they actually take uh crickets that have been um dehydrated and pulverized as a high protein food additive. So they add that to pasta. They add that to all different types of foods. See, I'm excited to try that stuff. Anything. <laughs> now we'll, so Fat Man the Flipper, you come here, man, you try some durian. I heard it's, wait, is it really taste horrible? Or does it just smell horrible? Uh, so actually, so now I'm at a point where, uh, oh, one second real quick, Josh. Uh, Brian. Brian Oaks, Haiti Hunter, they do not eat cat in Thailand. That's uh, Vietnam. They eat cat and dog. No, he, uh, I think he's saying in Haiti they eat cats. Oh, in Haiti they eat cats. Where oh, he's Haiti at. Cats, yeah. He's actually in Haiti. Okay, nice. What's that like? Alex, Josh, stuff me in your suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, oh, so the durian. It. I'm, I'm at the point where I don't mind the smell as much. It's, it's very, very pungent, though. Yeah. It does smell like sort of like burning, rotting trash. All right, it's but not bad. When, when you <laughs> eat it, it tastes like really sweet rotting onion. Uh, See, I could eat sweet onion. Like that doesn't it, bother me. No, but it's like rotting, and it has a it has a sulfury creaminess to it. <laughs> feet, Kent said. <laughs> yeah, so a sulfury creaminess feet, <laughs> like old man feet. <laughs> so. <laughs> Exactly. Watch I, I have two videos on my channel, um, in older videos of uh, me and Jib. She loves durian. 
I hate durian. And I've tr- so I have one video from before I met Jib, my first time eating durian, and then another video, my second time eating durian, where she just monsters through this entire plate of durian after I, I call it quits. I tap out the like two or three bites in. The other thing about it is it has like a skin, like a membrane on it. And so it's almost like biting into a sausage with a natural casing where you get like a a pop when you bite into the sausage. You get that in the durian. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's unpleasant to me. <laughs> so you're going to eat it with me is what you're saying. It, uh, maybe. <laughs> Thank you so much, Oscar. To our Super Chat, oh, Sweet Roddy Onion. Salt-free, creamy, and sweet. Right? What, what? Is that his second? Yeah, it's his second. Man, racking it up, homie. So yeah, dude, rub durian all over yourself. That that that's a message to you from Kent, not to me. <laughs> For sure. Like I, I think maybe we can take, like, you know how some people do mud bathing? Right. Maybe we can take Josh like a durian bathing spa. Oh my god. Let that sulfur sink in. My wife wouldn't let me come home. It would never go away. <laughs> There are signs every like any hotel you go to, like on the subway in the taxis, are like no durian. We eat horses. Yeah, so a lot of countries eat horse. That's not uncommon. I think that's a, a French thing. The horse meat is uh quite popular with uh, French people. Okay. So uh Brian Oaks Haiti Hunter, did they put the did they put the horse meat in like that Moroccan spice uh, type of stew curry thing they eat there, though? That'd be interesting. And it is good. Now, I have a lot of friends who love horse. I said, yeah, they put it in that 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 Moroccan spice. You put anything in that Moroccan spice, it's going to taste good. Maybe not durian. Just a slow night. What's a slow night tonight, Josh? Oh, just the view. There's a, I looked, it was after I had put ours up. Um, oh, storage pilfer. I think it's pilfer, right? Am I right? Yeah. Um, thank you so much for the, the super chat. I think they're literally like three or four other resellers all went live at seven o'clock tonight. <laughs> oh, those bastards. I know, right? Go over, to, go over to those chats and be like, get over here to Suburban Badge channel. Right? Yeah, go to their chats and be like, oh, no one here is from Thailand. That's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you don't have any entrepreneurs from Thailand on this uh, on this chat. You should come over with suburban beards. Cubans eat taz. Ta- how do you say that? Tazjo. Tazah tazaho. So I'm assuming it's Cuban. No, the a is a Y, right? Sure. Tazeo. Okay, guys. <laughs> do they have McDonald's? Yeah, there's McDonald's here in Thailand. Actually, do they? They have some unique items on the menu. Uh, Actually, I was talking about this about Josh the other day. McDonald's is big here, but by far, by far, the fast food king is KFC. Yeah. Were you even talking to um I can only think of the fake name you gave him. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. Such dev, did I say that right? <laughs> Jay Sachdev. Oh, I think I literally said subscribe to Dana and gave my channel link. Hold on. yeah here go to dana's channel yeah dana looks a lot like josh yeah so kfc is the king the undisputed king yeah you were talking to him about that that's where i had heard it recently yeah yeah kfc is the undisputed king of fast food in at least southeast asia No, no matter where you go in southeast asia there'll be kfc's like uh gas stations in america so they are everywhere, and the menus are very, very localized. So they'll use, they'll add some local flavors into uh, some stuff. Uh, El Cubanazo, answer it for us. Tasajo. Tasajo. Okay. There's no Y. Yeah, right? Those J's, man. You guys are messing us up. So so the thing is with the uh, the KFC, man, they're huge. They have something in Malaysia called the Cheez-It. The Cheez-It. It's called the cheez Oh, okay. It's a chicken breast, hammered out flat, deep fried, original recipe, with like uh, used as the base for a pepperoni pizza. Oh, uh, Dana, type in the chat once, because then people can right click on your name and okay. subscribe you right off the bat. So what's the crop? 
Saudi crab. <laughs> so, uh, Saudi crabs, buddy, be my. So one of the things is with the KFC. So they've got the cheese in Malaysia, and then here in Thailand right now they have a waffle cone filled with chicken bites covered in like nacho cheese. I think they have that here. Hot sauce. Is that they have that in the U.S. as well? Actually, I don't. I thought I've seen it on TV before. Maybe they don't anymore. Thrill in Manila. <laughs> yeah, I've been to anyone here ever been to Manila. That's another crazy city. Josh and I will definitely not be going there. Where's the where where do I want to go? It's where always where you would like ref the MMA fights you did. So uh, oh Borneo. We talked about Borneo yes. a lot. That's where I want to go. Kota Kinabalu is gonna be the most amazing place on the planet. As far as just uh pure beauty and luxury and just a gorgeous place and super cheap to visit see i told dana like i've actually started losing weight i wanted to lose weight for the trip and i'm like i you know and i'm like i'm totally gonna gain 30 pounds he's determined to prove that i'm going to lose weight even though i'm eating more because the amount i sweat while i'm there (laughs) yeah actually i had um last night i had javi javi echuelo over He's uh, the, the Full Metal Dojo welterweight champion. Just won the championship at Full Metal Dojo. I, I do an MMA co- podcast as well, but he came on to talk. I have a video up with him in a, a week or two talking about the business of being a fighter. So, like, he's is essentially a small business. He's his own brand as a fighter. And we were talking about that business. But one of the things he was telling me was his, uh, his thyroid was acting was slow while he was out here the first time when he first moved out here and he couldn't figure out what was going on. And he went to see a doctor and they're like, you don't have enough uh, sodium in your, uh, in your diet. And so you're sweating out too much. You need to start taking in more electrolytes and it, it fixed his problem. Wow. So one of the things you got to be careful of out here is like you sweat so much, you can lose your electrolytes. So if I'm out for a day, I bring an electrolyte packet with me and mix it, mix it in my water. Need more electrolytes. Need the plants love it. Electrolytes. Must what would that was idiocracy, right? Yeah. <laughs> they were they feeding the plants the uh, energy drink. The electrolytes. Yeah, they need electrolytes. <laughs> plants love electrolytes. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get out there. So our next step here. So we like yeah. as we beginning we talked about sourcing some fun stuff like that. And we'll we'll go anywhere we need to in the conversation for fun, of course, too. But we're on your channel next, I believe, right? Next on Thursday, Thursday, seven p.m. Yeah, seven p.m. East Coast time. Yes, another seven a.m. my time. The only thing I want right now is McRibs. <laughs> Are they back? I don't know. Did they? They came back a little bit ago, but then they left. They bring them like once a year, right? I think so. Yeah, it's usually Szechuan sauce. Yeah. There's a, uh, I forget the name of the channel, but there's a channel where uh, someone made a McRib. Oh, really? They they made their own McRib. It can't be that complicated. I mean, I guess you'd have to get ribs without bones. I've never heard of such a thing. They basically. the McRib already left. God damn it. It's got electrolytes. It's what plants create. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the <laughs> just listening to those hooligans. The um the uh, McRib, I think it's it's rib meat chopped down and then reformed into a rib. So there's no such thing as ribs without bones, Josh. That's the ribs are the bones. No, no, they're real ribs grown without <laughs> bones. It's like seedless watermelon. So, so my friend Colin is the uh, owner and chef of a American barbecue restaurant in Bangkok, Ash Kickers, uh, Ash Kickers BKK. You can check them out on Facebook. Probably the best, the best American barbecue in Southeast Asia. Everything's whole log smoked, but they do some pork ribs there, Josh. So maybe uh, we can talk to Colin about seeing if there is a a McRib version that he can make. And then he'll probably kill us both for, for asking that. Right? He will. Like he'll be like, you're joking, right? Like this is a big ha ha ha, real funny guys. Yeah, you know, and he, he does like uh he gets like a a hybrid pig that's grown here in Thailand. Oh it's wow. A, 
it's it's um some breed that's like mixed between uh a pigs and some some like really high-end duroc uh pig or something like that and uh people go crazy for the pork jib loves their uh their pulled pork barbecue that's awesome why it was pipe squeaked they're made with country human ribs the human mcrib So I think uh, that puts us in an hour, Josh. I think uh, maybe yeah. we should wrap up. Josh is a reselling Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 8.30 a.m. And also bad boys, of, um, bad boys of reselling. There we go, 9 p.m. EST Saturdays. That's and a then, great oh, show. Yeah. You guys, they, they got some good banter going on, the bad boys. I'm a little upset with the Joshes because lots of Josh still has not grown a beard. And I think one, you should strip him of the name Josh because he doesn't have a beard, and you know it's unacceptable. I don't care about he can't grow a beard. I don't want to hear those types of excuses. I don't have follicles on my face. I can't grow a beard. I haven't shaved in twelve years. Dude, how many people when you walk down the street have beards that live that they were natively born there? Uh, it's rare. It's rare to see a uh, yeah. Actually, so there's a, a Thai pro wrestling promotion that that I go to uh, that two of their main guys have legit beards. Okay. And actually, they just changed. They they were Gato Move, which is a Japanese style, and they've just started a new one called Startup Wrestling. Okay. I think it's called. Actually, we might depends on when you get out here. They the promoter just sent me the dates. It's set up. Set up Thailand Pro Wrestling uh, at Wrestle Square, Bangkok Showdown, oh, 11 January. You probably won't be out here for that. No. Yeah, because it's going to be mid to end of January. Yeah, I'll probably still book two VIP tickets for that, though. <laughs> Just in case. Live stream it, bro. Jalapeno Whoppers right off the broiler. Yeah, are you going to bring me out an Impossible Whopper when you come, Josh? Dude, I, I'm not going to lie. So you can call it sacrilegious or whatever. Like I am by no means any sort of veget, even close to a vegetarian, right? But that Impossible Whopper is better than the regular Whopper. Really? I can smash two of them, and I don't feel like crap afterwards. I have one Whopper, of course. I don't feel good for a week, you know. Well, it's a Whopper, <laughs> right? You know, it's like and eating the melt challenge. Now I will be honest, right? So I mean, I, it break, I break the rules with it, so I don't get a natural. Or, actual vegan impossible whopper okay. my impossible whopper does have the quick slap of mayo and okay. it is cooked on the same grill as a regular whopper right so but i the flavor of it is amazing you, you can get i think they call it clean when you order it if you want an actual vegan yeah, one but yeah a clean or a real vegan i think they call it something like that okay. but but honestly i like it better than the regular one vegan mayo you know what i don't know I didn't even think to ask. The vegan mayo is legit. I have a bunch of friends who say they like the vegan mayo more than regular mayo. I got you. Oh, yeah, I think... I mean, well, more than mass-produced like fast food mayo. I should right, say. right. Not like homemade mayo. That makes I'm sense. Sure, like like fresh-made mayonnaise, which is probably pretty awesome. Yeah. See, even uh, Fat Man the Flipper, vegan mayo is fire. That's a positive endorsement of vegan mayo. Yeah, veganese. That's the stuff. Good stuff. Josh, I'm going to need you to uh, smuggle me out a uh, jar of veganese. Yes, that we can do. Well, I have your list, right? So I have the, the Woodford Reserve white corn bourbon. That's all you've requested so far. <laughs> yeah, that's a legit hard item to find, dude. Can you Have you been able to find it? Should I bring three of them? No, no, just one. <laughs> You won't get into the country with three. Oh, okay. So if you can find it, though, let me know. I mean, that will last me years. But that is like a uh, distiller select. Anyone anyone out there, if you have a line on white corn, Woodford Reserve white corn distiller select bourbon, holler at us because I'm in dire need. Yeah, I, I, I have the airport in Singapore, and I didn't buy it because I was going into Singapore. I was going to buy it on my way out, and when I came out, they were sold out. I'm sure if I go, I can get it. I mean, there's a there's also a place nearby here. It's one of those places they've just they've been around Rosie's Winehouse. I know guys there, yeah. stuff like that. I, I I know I'll be able to get my hands on it. 
So because well, they only made it once back in 2015. Okay. So there's not a whole lot floating around still. And so yeah, so Woodford Reserve and socks because I can't find socks for my big ass feet. Black socks. Or any color. Or dress socks, right? Brown or dark blue would be good. Pink. So boring. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's just not white. What are you a 13, 14? Yeah, I'm a 13. That's what I thought. Yeah. And so socks out here are generally just slightly too small. And I end up with like cramped toes that I'm like halfway through a day, like, oh my God. Tie socks. Tie socks. <laughs> That's something completely different, Kent. <laughs> awesome. Where do you live? Bangkok. Where do you Music live? Five. I live in Bangkok. I assume they're asking me. I don't know. Was, were they asking someone else? I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know. Or it is the the running joke on our channels. Where do you live? I'll I'll tell you the story. Do please do please. It's rough live. So okay, I guess that's it. Tai Tai. My Tai Tai Tai. I don't like bones either. <laughs> <laughs> she meant you, yes, or he or she. Music fifty five was asking yeah. where you live, Dana. Yeah, I live in Bangkok. Yeah. So. uh in Bangkok in a neighborhood called Bangjok. Stop calling me names, bro. Thought we were closer than that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, bro. <laughs> All right, everybody. Josh. With in that being said, I think we should wrap it up, Josh. Yeah, in a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> That'll um, be a hot ass van. It's sunny here. I appreciate everybody stopping by. Um, Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate the support. Thursday <laughs> on my channel, we'll be talking about more of the business aspects like the yeah. business planning the strategic planning stuff that uh is is more in line with my channel things that i'm more expert at uh over on my channel dana bluen i'll be talking with suburban beard aka josh aka l beard and we'll be uh, diving into that uh, so until thursday guys have a great week we'll see you later thank you